You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Hey, welcome, and thank you so much for downloading this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about shedding our limiting labels and beliefs so we can lead fulfilling, meaningful, and purpose-filled lives. And I believe without a doubt, we each are capable of more than we imagine. And when we live without labels and limits, life is just a lot richer. So I'm Sarah and I'm your host, and I hope that you enjoy today's conversation with our guest, Greg Van Antwerp, as much as I do. I know I will. I've talked to Greg before, um, and I actually had the pleasure of meeting Greg through a mutual friend and superstar, superstar alliteration. Um, I had the pleasure of meeting Greg through a mutual friend, and he is a superstar storyteller, Ken Fay. Um, and Ken and I have done another project together. And, you know, just in an offhanded comment, I just said, you know, who else do you think I should know that's kind of cool and, you know, um, could bring some insight and information to, you know, my audience and the people who want to find inspiration in their lives. And Without waiting a second, Ken said, oh, you got to meet my pal, Greg. So I was inspired just and intrigued because he said he is an urban archaeologist. And I'm thinking, I do not see the connection between who else should I meet and an urban archaeologist. So this begins the story of Greg. Um, But let me tell you a little bit more about him. And this will all come clear to everybody during our interview today. But as you might expect from what I mentioned, um, Greg is a historian, he's an educator, and what he likes to say is he's a finder of things. And he's been searching tag and estate sales for almost his whole life. And then in 2009, he started blogging about his discoveries. And he says that what he enjoys most is to find a good story behind each of the items or the story of the original owners as well. And that got my mind spinning, like, how would you do that? I just look around my own house, and if I don't know where something came from, I'm, I'm just thinking, I know they were handed down, but I, don't, I wouldn't even know where to start. So that piqued my interest. Um, so Ken's been doing this for quite a while. And then in 2013, he began a speaker's tour. And over the past seven years, he's visited libraries, historical societies, and community centers across the New York and New England um, geography lands, I guess. So the upper Eastern part of the US. And um, at the end of the day, he's really aiming to encourage everyone to follow his personal personal passion of discovery. And I really like this. He says that history is hiding everywhere. And with the digitization of everything, it's more important than ever to preserve the physical proof of the past. 
And then he goes on to say that we have to find what's out there and share it as far and wide as possible for the edification of our future generations. And in fact, some of his presentations have gone on to become how-to sessions for finding and preserving hidden history. Greg is on the board of trustees of the New Milford Historical Society, and he's currently writing a book on tips and tricks on how he found some of his best discoveries. And you can read more about that on his website. So we'll have all the links for that in the show notes. Don't worry about it right now. So let's start by and welcome our guest, Greg Van Antwerp. Hi, Greg. Hi, Sarah. Thank you for having me. I'm really excited to have you on the show. I mean, you and I started out to have a short 15-minute conversation a few weeks ago, and it ended up being like an hour and 15. So um, I know we're going to have a lot to talk about and probably questions that I don't even get to ask. But I do like to start by asking all of our guests this one question, and that is, is there something that you do every day that keeps you heading towards your big vision or your big goals? Um, yeah, you know what there is in, in, in the world of storytelling and, and trying to discover these stories, you know, there's so much that passes by our eyes and ears that it's so hard to filter everything out. So, you know, what I look for is to be able to, to figure out what are those, those ticking points, uh, you know, is, is it going to draw, is the story I'm going to find today going to draw something out of me emotionally? Is it going to make me happy, sad? you know, connected in some way. And that's kind of how I go and sort of keep myself focused. And that's kind of, that's how I kind of move forward with my day. So is it going to draw something out of you? Right. The, you know, there's, there's things that are just eye candy, you know, things that you just, you know, when you, when you go and you, you know, everything that you see and touch, you know, whatever it is that you do, you know, it's so easy to get distracted. And, you know, at, at some point it, you, you have to kind of boil it down to, well, you know, how is this going to be important to me and how is it going to, you know, and motivate me to go to the next step, to, to get out of it, what I want to get out of it. And, and it's very general to describe. And as we get further into the, the interview, you, I, your audience will hopefully see uh, what, I'm, what I'm getting at when I try and find the story core, the, the core of the story and, and, and how to filter out all the other things that, are, that can so easily distract. Um, and that's, that's really it. It's looking for the, the emotional responses out of me. So it's like, you know, in, in, in a good story, you know, it, it, you want to get it to entertain your audience. And, and the way to entertain your audience is to, is to meet, you know, meet their emotional needs, you know, make them laugh, uh, you know, give some wow factor to, to what, you, what you've got. And, and, or, or, you know, if it's going to make them tear up, it's going to make them tear up, you know? So the, the idea is that's, that's sort of how I keep myself focused. And that's, that's how I move on with my day. I really like it. And I like the fact that you're, you're connecting it to your heart, right? Like what moves you, what, and, and what keeps you from going down every rabbit trail that you might come across. So, okay. I want to ask you, or, you know, I think I mentioned in the introduction that when Ken said you were an urban art archeologist, I looked it up, honestly. Um, I did, you know, it's like, what, okay, what's that? And I just laughed. I said, okay, what is that? I know archeologist, urban archaeologist. So there's a description about, you know, preserving and building on top of things. But how did you even get started on your journey of treasure hunting at tag shows, you know, and then come to be what, you know, you, you've been tagged as, as the urban archaeologist? 
You know, it, I think it starts for all of us is, you know, and, and I, I like to think I had this idyllic childhood and I think, nope, I think I was like, just like every other kid, you know, you are just so curious about the world around you and you're always looking for something that's just, that's, that's hanging out that, that is sort of kind of asking a question, like, what is that thing? What's around that corner? What's under that rock? You know, it's, it's why kids go digging for, you know, salamanders in, in, uh, in, in streams. Uh, you know, why would you even want to do that? You know, because it's there. Uh, and I think that, you know, we sort of carry that through our lives, that sort of sense of, of discovery, of wonderment, of finding something new and, and being able to, you know, hold it and understand it. Uh, and and that's that's kind of, I think, how this sort of manifestation of, of kind of search and discovery and recovery kind of grew for me. Uh, but, you know, the, the way I like to typify it for my audiences is all you need to do is find one really cool thing and you're kind of done. Right. I mean, that's it. That is that's the catalyst. That's the thing that gets that that starts it all. And I, I have a lot of those sort of like one that one thing that, uh, you know, that that I discovered. And that, that always reminds me that, yep, that's, this is why I do this. And, and then you keep finding things and, and it just sort of keeps, keeps feeding that sort of part of your brain that, that just enjoys the wonderment of, of learning new things and, and, and then sharing. Uh, so how I got started, uh, well, I mean, from the beginning, I, I was always, you know, a kid walking to school, um, you know, and if I saw a junk pile on the side of the road, man, you know, you'd, you'd have to tear me away with it with a crowbar. Um, and, and that's, these are the, the golden days of, of uh, you know, walking uphill both ways to school. But in the, uh, in the, you know, 70s growing up, I mean, I really did walk to my elementary school and, uh, and, and it, was, it was glorious walking through the suburbs of, of Westchester County. Uh, in New York, and uh, and you could do that, uh, you know, and you could do that, and not, uh, you know, not not end up on on you know page three. Um, it was it was a safe thing to do, but but that kind of grew into that sort of freedom of discovery uh, turned into you know the the ability to kind of look for things like at uh, at, at tag and estate sales. Uh, that that actually started the story I love to tell is uh, learning to, one of my parents teaching me to drive. My mother, in fact. Um, we would drive around on Saturdays and she would help me practice driving. And one of the things you needed in New York state in order to pass your driver's test was to learn parallel parking. Well, where can you learn parallel parking on a Saturday? Well, my mom pointed to a tag sale down the road. Um, hey, let's go and park there. Um, give that a try. Well, you know, you tag, you, you parallel park at a tag sale, you do it successfully. You can't just leave. You got to go in and take a look. And uh, so it's you know, weird to do that, right. To show up and leave. And then people think you're just, like, what are they doing? Well, you know what? You bring up a really good point. Uh, you know, I think my my mom sort of sort of showed me that that she was kind of uncomfortable going in and walking out without buying anything. So she would buy some little trinket or something. And I always called it a parting gift. Uh, you know, like they would give you on an old old uh, 70s game show, um, you know, the, the Lee Press on nails. No, she would just go and buy some little trinket just to say sort of thank you. And uh, but for me, I, you know, I'm, I was like, you know, she was sort of dragging me in at first. And then I would walk in and see like, oh, look, you know, they're selling a bunch of beer cans or beer signs or beer paraphernalia. And as a 16 year old, well, you know, my eyes brightened up and I'm like, that's me. This is about beer, you know, as a 16 year old, you know, it's, it's might be just, you know, running through your veins at some point, but anyway, um, so that's how I kind of got started. I started kind of collecting beer paraphernalia and finding it at tag sales was the place to do it. And, and so that was sort of my first kind of collectible thing. And, and that kind of got me into, you know, just, 
the comfort level, which I really do have to appreciate that a lot of people, not everybody goes to these sales. Not everybody does what I do. I, I can walk into any sale and talk to anybody uh, because I'm so comfortable doing it. And it, and it has became a life skill for me uh, to just walk into a stranger's house and, and you know, they're, they're obviously invited you in because they're selling things, but to be able to talk to them comfortably, carry on a conversation and chat with them is, is really something that it's just one of those life skills that everyone should have. So, but I realized that not everybody feels comfortable walking into a stranger's house and going, well, I'm going to look at their stuff and then paw through it and then leave. So that once you get beyond that point, and like I said before, with that very first discovery, uh, you, you lose that inhibition of like, you know, I, you know, do they really want me in their house buying their stuff? And you know what? They absolutely do. They need you there uh, to help them move on with their lives. And so it, it's a very natural thing, but not, not everybody does it. And that's okay. So that's an, when you're going in and looking around, like you're describing, that's more of an estate sale thing versus like what, and I'm not sure if a tag sale is the same thing that out here where I live. I mean, honestly, I, I've never heard it called a tag sale. It's more of a garage sale or some other kind of sale. And um, so I don't know if I'm understanding tag show or tag sale in the same way that you're right. using it. So right. it, it can it can be a tag sale, estate sale, yard sale, garage sale, basement sale, attic sale, flea market, uh, you know, uh, uh, thrift it can be a thrift store or a thrift shop. It can really be anything. It's really where, uh, you know, it's it's a, what would be a non-commercial retail situation. And and that can be anything. I mean, it can be a, a roadside vendor, uh, someone's just a blanket out on the, the, the side of the road. I mean, it's really just, you know, the it's the exchange of 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 goods uh, for money. Uh, and, and that's and just in a non-commercial way. Uh, but right in, in the sense that you're describing it, um, these are typically when people just sort of want to shed some of their stuff. They're usually doing it in a garage or tag sale. You don't want to empty out the basement. You know, your, your kids have moved on to college. You just want to sell the baby stuff. You know, that's sort of a typical tag yard or garage sale. Um, when, when a house needs to be sold in order for the ownership of that home to move on to, to be sold or to the next, you know, to the next family um, or a family is moving, there's a moving sale, obviously, but then there's an estate sale and estate sale is essentially someone's literal estate has been left behind, um, has been discarded by the family or they've taken what they've wanted. And then they move in a uh, an official company, or sometimes the family will do it themselves, an official company, an estate sales service will set up an entire house and empty out the house. And it needs to be emptied so that, again, the next family can move in um, because, you know, it's easier to sell a home that's empty than it is one that's sort of full of other people's stuff. So in an estate sale, a lot of times you really do get to go top to bottom. You know, the the, the story, uh, the title of the, the presentations I give stories from the attic is really about that. It's the ability to go through an attic from attic to basement and, and dig through literally everything with permission uh, to try and find whatever might be for sale in there and then bring it up and go, I found this, how much is it? I'll take it. And, and you're good to go. So before I go on and ask you more about the actual progression for you, I want to back up to something because you mentioned that, um, you feel comfortable going into any house or tag sale now and um, looking around because you understand you've actually been invited to be there, but also in talking to the owners or the person who's doing that about the items and how important that is as a life skill. And I'm curious, um, what else 
this has afforded you, just this path and passion of yours in terms of developing skills, personal skills, or sometimes called the soft skills. I like to think about them as essential interpersonal skills, you know? So um, the comfort level, the curiosity, what, what else have you noticed has been an offshoot in personal growth or involvement from this work? Well, you know what? There's, there's no better exercise than to get out of your house and learn about your community. Learn about the, the people that live in your community, the businesses, the, you know, the, the intercommerce, the, 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 uh, the, you know, the backyard conversations. Um, and, and in doing the, this kind of activity, you know, going to visit these sales and getting comfortable talking to people, you, you know, you get to know about the people in your neighborhood. You get to know about the people in your side of town. You get to know about some of the issues. You know, you you come in on conversations, but often often you come in on sales like the Lions Club or the Rotary are having a sale. Uh, you know, they're trying to raise money. And I always recommend to people who who want to get involved in their communities to go to these sales and and to buy something and make yourself known, and and talk to them. What's going on? What's the story behind the sale? Um, you know, what? How's it been going? Uh, what a what a great selection of things. And and to draw conversations out of people, so you get to learn about them, and you become a known quantity. You become someone to that. Oh, you you, don't, you then are networking, and that's an a, just an absolutely essential skill to feel comfortable talking to a stranger on the street. Really, not really in this case, but in 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 sense, it, in, it might be in a, a school cafeteria or a church basement, and to say, hey, you know, what's what's going on here? What's happening? And and just be a good listener, and then draw off that conversation, and and you may end up a member of the Rotary Club or uh, you know a, a speaker at the next Lions Club meeting. You know, I mean, so that is what this has afforded me in that way is is the ability to connect to network. And that's, that's just the next, I think the next step from being comfortable just chatting with anybody is that now it's even, you're even more comfortable networking with people that you've never met before. And it's so interesting to meet people you don't know. I mean, it's not like you have to do a ton of research on it, but just to be really curious about them. Like when you said, what's going on here? You know, people want to tell you because obviously they're putting time and energy in. So I do think that it's a great skill, but it's so rewarding because you learn a lot of things. Um, and like you said, you become a known quantity. Yeah. So I, I want to ask you how you went, you know, so you'd been collecting, you started early, parallel parking kind of helped you out there. Um, but how did you go from finding and collecting to becoming actually the storyteller of those items? Well, you know what? It it kind of started from just a natural curiosity. You know, the the one phrase I used to that used to just greet me uh, the wrong way uh, was, "I'll you know when, when I hear other people say I'll see you on Facebook," and I thought to me, I thought that is the most. Uh, I I just thought that was something terribly kind of negative because the the term "see you on Facebook" was really kind of greeting me the wrong way. The uh, and and but what it, what really was revealing was that I really didn't know anything about social media at the time. I, I wasn't involved in social media. I was, you know, I was surfing the internet. I was reading other people's blogs and, and fascinated by the stories they were telling. And, and, and I thought, you know, that's really cool. I, I would really, how do you actually, you know, create content uh, for the internet? You know, how do you, how do you publish? You know, how do you do this? And, and it, you know, it's not inherent, uh, you know, we, we, anytime you find something new that you want to do, you got to figure out the steps and, and figure out how to do it. So literally as a, New Year's resolution in 2009, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to start a blog. 
And I, you know, I thought, you know, I just want to be able to learn how to do this thing. I would create content. And I looked around and, you know, I've got some odd uh, collect pieces I've collected that have, you know, piqued my curiosity uh, over the years from these uh, tag sales or junk piles or whatever, you know, the, the detritus that we love to hang on to. And, uh, and I started, I just picked something and I started writing about it. And I just took some pictures of it and I created my first blog post. And, uh, and I, I called it, I think I called it a confessions of an urban archeologist. And I've always been a, a wordsmith. I love words. I love to play with words. And uh, I love, I've always loved archeology span anyway. Uh, I love digging in the dirt. Who doesn't? Uh, but you know, I, to me, urban archeology span was sort of like, it was kind of like digging inside. It was my own definition of the term. And of course, thanks to the internet, there really is no new thing under the sun. If you look, there's a million definitions now for an urban archeologist. It could be someone who digs through old buildings uh, or who sells uh, you know, uh, vintage uh, uh, plumbing you know, equipment or whatever. I mean, you know, it's, it, people have kind of taken the term and, and gone you know, sideways with it and that's fine. Um, but I, you know, I really use it now sort of as a persona uh, of just, you know, because I also love the sing song uh, way that, that urban archeologist, it's, it just kind of flows as, as a couple of words and I, I really like it. Um, but you know what, uh, that is, that really is how I got started at storytelling. I just started blogging and trying to learn how to build an audience and how to market that blog and how to learning that I needed to keep contributing to it and keep it new and keep it fresh. And then, and then it, it just kind of grew and grew and grew. And it, you know, I, I, we all hope to go viral. Um, but that wasn't so important to me. It was more important about just trying to create something that was quality that represented me honestly and, and would give, you know, would give anybody reading just the, the, hopefully the idea of one, they, I might be asking a question in my blog, like, what is this thing? I want to know more about this thing. I use it more as a research tool to kind of reach out to an audience and ask questions. And, and, that, and that grew into uh, writing for uh, what was then uh, Patch. Patch is still around. Uh, but at one point, Patch was very free to bloggers uh, to post their blogs onto any Patch a town in the country. And there were almost a thousand of them at the time. And I was literally staying up all night long, putting myself on two, 300 patches uh, just to get my story out there and then add a link. So they would come back to my blog and finish reading or connect. It was great fun. And, and that in itself built a name for myself in terms of people then coming to me saying, you know, you should do this or you should do that. And, and that led to the speaking engagements. Um, I was invited off of someone reading a patch article to present uh, for a, a community group. And, and it was completely new to me. I'd never done that before. But you know what? You learn from doing new things that you've never done before. You learn to take opportunities as they come. And that's really been the, the, the most, you know, I, I think, greatest benefit to what I've done. And that is appreciating every opportunity that comes along, such as we are here today. Yeah, well, you never know. I First of all, I totally agree with that because it's those opportunities when I look backwards at the time, they just, you know, they seem like, oh, that's interesting. But when I look back over like the my timeline, if you will, those opportunities have been major pivots in my life that I couldn't have predicted, but totally right. changed things for me and for right. the better. And um, but it did require being curious if there was any nerves, like just going, okay, I hate being nervous. I hate that, you know, that pit and 
your stomach feeling like you're just doing right. something for the first time and you feel exposed, but also just going, oh, that wasn't so bad. And then guess what? You end up loving it or finding something else about it. So um, I am right there with you as a fellow traveler. But I'm wondering if you have a, a story like one of the objects or something that you've taught on or shared with someone before that you can share with us. Oh, can, yes. you, can I just give you control and yes, you won't absolutely. have control forever, but can, can I give you control so you can teach us something and share a story? Yes. Let me, let me share the screen here and uh, I'm going to share a portion of my screen. Let me go to advanced here and then portion of the screen and then say, let's see, I'm going to share just in case I need to do that, hit share really quick. And let's see, should be seeing a, a beautiful, beautiful picture of a, of a black blob. That's correct. It looks like black blob velvet, maybe. Yes. And I love, I love to show this to my audience and say, this is, isn't this the most beautiful picture you've ever seen? And the, and of course, you know, there, everyone should absolutely be like twisted in their in their appearance going no it's not it's actually i can't see anything um and then i say well you know it it really begins with with this and that is it's you know when you go into a house and find something that's that's a, a just an abject mystery um and then you suddenly want to ask yourself the a question of what is this thing and it was a piece of glass and i held it up to the light and this is what i saw when i held it up to the light and i realized it was a glass negative and I thought, oh, wow, that's interesting. Wow, you can almost see something there. And, and I was like, I've, I've heard of glass negatives. You know, mostly we're familiar with celluloid negatives or plastic, you know, of, of, of before digital. And uh, so I bought this. Um, and this was literally in, in a, you know, tucked in an old uh, dresser in a house that was being demolished. And I was lucky to get it out of there. Um, and, uh, and I brought it home and I looked up on the internet, God bless the internet the uh, how do you process a glass negative? And it was actually a pretty convoluted process of using a scanner and a light and a piece of paper over it and then Photoshop, but this is what you get. And yeah, it wow. is jaw droppingly amazing to see when you go from this to this. And I love to show an audience this because it's the point at which, you know, and again, this is going back to how do you reach that comfort level talking to an audience and what skills have I gotten from, you know, from, from doing all this and, you know, knowing how an audience is going to react. And, and it is, it is a beautiful picture. This is a beautiful couple. And I always tell people that I'm absolutely in love with this couple and the, and this is, but this is part of the fun in, in that, you know, I don't have an answer for everything. I, I can now teach a class on how to process glass negatives. And it isn't as complicated as throwing it on your scanner and putting a white piece of paper on top and using a lamp and using Photoshop. You can actually do this with your own smartphone and it's very easy to do. And that is the most fun for me to, to have found this thing, to have had it teach me how to, uh, to process it and then to take that knowledge and then pass it on to people. So I'm, I'm actually giving them this double benefit of look at this beautiful thing from the past and now you can do it too. Do you have old negatives at home? Doesn't matter if they're celluloid or glass or whatever, you can do it too. And I can show you how, and, and that's the beauty of it. That's the, that's the, the, the fun. And so that's, that's my, that's my one story. I, I can, I can give you plenty of other stories. Well, leave that up, leave that image up for a minute, if you would, cause I yeah, just want to, sure. I want to enjoy it a little longer. I have a question about your pr mental process. Right. So, because I always listen for the questions we ask ourselves 
or the question behind the question that we sometimes think we're answering, right? And you said, you Googled, how do you process this negative? Right. Um, so when you are thinking about uncovering something, how do you know which question to start with? You know what? It's it is it is all about language, right? We all know everything is about tagging uh, and and the right term and the right word, and or and sometimes it's asking the right person. Um, but it's also I think it's just actually having the confidence to know that the the answer is out there. It's it's kind of why I enjoy you know uh, my wife and I enjoy doing uh, jigsaw puzzles. Uh, there's a real there's a real catharsis there to doing a jigsaw puzzle because you know when you get stuck and you can't find the piece that you need it's like you know an impossibly complicated puzzle but the idea is that you know what the answer is right there you just can't see it right now and if you leave and come back you'll get the answer and that's kind of what it is for researching things when you've presented yourself with a mystery you know i pull a gadget out of a box i don't know what it is just knowing that the answer is out there somewhere uh, is what drives you to keep, it, it, it's such a great motivator to keep going, to know that, you know, you, you can find the answer to this. And even if you don't find the answer right away, the process itself is an education unto itself. And and that's, that's a joy, uh, you know, sharing, when you can share with somebody that you don't know how to do something, it, it is, it, it relieves you of, of any feeling of, you know, how is this person going to relate to me? What you're immediately saying is, I bet you know more than I do about this. Can you tell me something about this? And, and that is, again, that's a great networking process uh, for getting, for bonding with people and, and getting the, the kind of ease that you need in, in order to, to have good communication. And, and so this is a perfect example of that. And, and then in and of itself, it's just a great, it's just a fun image to look at. And, and this is what I use in my, in my talks. I don't know who these people are. I so badly want to. Uh, but if I present this to the audience and say, does anybody know, can you tell me something about this picture? And we talk about photo forensics, you know, what can you tell me about how they're dressed, how they're standing, anything, anything at all. And, and so it's fun to watch people go through this uh, mental process of, of, you know, looking closely at the picture and then presenting their ideas. And it becomes a wonderful conversation. And this is what's so great about giving these talks is that there's such ease in presenting that, that, you know, if you're nervous about speaking in front of an audience, you lose that inhibition so quickly uh, when you're sharing something that you're passionate about and that you can, you can, you kind of extend that passion out to your audience and your audience gives it right back and goes, yeah, that is amazing. You know, we can all agree that that's a really, that's a really great before and after picture. I mean, you know, this to that. And, and, and then I can go into a much longer rabbit hole about glass negatives that I, I, we, would take us into a, a, a mini series of, of interview here, which I won't do to you, Sarah, but um, anyway, but that, that is, that's my, that, that is what kind of moves me through this whole process. Well, and depending on who you're speaking with, I could imagine someone in the audience, you know, based on their background and interest would say, oh, that fabric came from this time or whatever. So, you know, you can continue to discover as you go forward, as long as you keep sharing. Um, or even about the topo the foliage that's behind them or landmarks, like you said, that's right. just utterly fascinating to me. Okay, I'm good. I just wanted to look at those guys more. I could come up with a ton of questions, but since you said you don't know who they are, I stop. So, um, okay, was it the time that you found something that you were kind of pulling the threads on, but you? Um, weren't able to solve the 
question you had or answer the question you had? The um, well, you know what? That's a I can I can share another image if you like. Um, Please, this, yeah. Yeah, this is this is a great a great one, in that, you know, this is and this is what a lot of people do ask about, and that is, you know, again, and I talked about this earlier, the comfort level of going into someone's home, and and pulling out their memories. Uh, you know, it, it when you realize that they've been discarded, and it's sort of up for grabs. What you really have, what you have to realize is, is that these things, the next stop in in the the life of 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 these physical objects is a dumpster. Um, sometimes they're going to be thrown away. And this, this wasn't at someone's house in particular. This was actually at a sale that an, an estate sailor had all their things they'd collected over the years. And when they were moving down south and, and couldn't sell everything, and they were just grouping things together. And I saw these newspaper clippings along with some other military items. And I just bought the whole lot. And I started to put together the story, and and you can just take a, a quick look at some of the little headlines there. That it's a pretty, pretty kind of shattering story. It's a soldier's body is found in Africa. A soldier's body arrives today. So you know you know you're dealing with a with a, a fatality here, and that in and of itself is you know is is becomes a touchy subject because I know I was dealing with local history here. This is actually a, a family called the Krizan family. And when I got to the end of putting this story together, you know, organizing these newspaper clippings, what I had was this incredible story of these two brothers who go off to fight in World War II, and one comes back and one dies in North Africa, and they can't find his body, and it actually gets lost in Graves administration and isn't returned to the family for burial for nine years. And and I thought, oh my God, what an incredible story, um, you know, about a, a body not coming back for nine years. I've got to write that down. I've got to share that. And then I thought to myself, wait a second, I can't share that story. That's way too personal. That's too, that's, you know, I don't, I don't want to take somebody's bad news and make it my good news. Look at what I found. I found this bad news. It's a terrible thing to do. And I, so I held off and I, I didn't touch the story. I didn't go back to it because I thought, you know, it's just too, I won't share this kind of story. I don't want to air other people's dirty laundry um, or, their, or their ripped laundry, let's say. And, uh, and I held on to it. And, and then I managed to find a, a local historian and, uh, and I mentioned this, this plight, you know, it was like six months later. And I said, you know, I, I've got this great story. I can't tell it. And he said, oh, the Krizans. I go to church with some Krizans. Do you want to meet them? It was a family of 13. And I was like, oh, uh, yeah, yes, I would. And so he got together with them. He told them about me. He told them what I had. And in this meantime, I was restoring all their papers and putting them all into uh, page protectors and restoring the photograph of one of the photographs that I had. And then he contacted me and said, they'd like to meet you. And so I brought all these papers over to their home and, and said, here, I found these. I'd like you to have them. I, I said, I'd love to tell the story, but I'd really like you to have them. And it was a surviving brother. Uh, and he had no idea these papers existed. Um, and, uh, you know, so this is, this is the photograph that I restored. That's the before, this is the after, and, uh, and this is the couple, um, and that's the surviving brother, that's George Cruzan. Oh. And they had never seen these pictures before because the surviving brother who had come back from World War II, they were his. And when he passed away, he never passed them along to any other family members. So I was able to return these back to the Cruzan family. And, and, then, and then I could tell the story. And that was that was sort of the the, the you know the 
the the the the moment of of uh, you know of, of really kind of comprehension of why why do I do this? Why am I doing this? And it is for these returns. This is what I tell them. The sort of the 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 theme of urban archaeology is, and that is you know it's 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 recovery, it's restoration, and then it's return when possible. And if you can give these things back to the people where they belong, it's there's closure there, and that's really really satisfying. And so, you know, again, and that's something that I did not know going into this. I did not know that would lead me to this path. And, uh, and it's another benefit. And so this, this passion of mine just keeps paying off. And it's, and so it just keeps the, the universe keeps telling me, you got to keep doing this. You need to keep doing this. It's just too good. Has there been a time, you know, that you were unable to find answers? You were curious, you kind of did some digging. And what I'm really wondering is like, how long do you kind of stay the course until you go, I need to stop and move on to my next research or the next thing I'm uncovering? Um, you know what? I'm right now, I'm going through a, a home from the 18th century. It was built in probably the 1790s. And I'm, I've been invited there by the estate sales service because again, another benefit from doing this is when you, you know, when you reveal yourself to the people that run these sales as someone who's just looking for a good story, I'm not looking to take something and, you know, and, and buy it for 50 cents and sell it for $50,000. I'm really just looking for a good story. You end up actually helping them do their job and you develop another relationship bond where when they are now going through a house and setting it up for a sale so they can help the owners move on with their lives. Um, they're calling me in to say, Hey, can you, uh, can you, you want to help? This is, a, you know what, this is how they put it to me. This is a great house. You would love this house. And, and I say, well, when can I come? And it's like, we're going to set it up this week. And so this week I've actually been at this home from the built in the 1790s, trying to find things that have not yet been found in the house. And, and so as you can imagine, there's just oodles of stories there of, of the past just coming to life. But I can't tell every story. It, you know, some things just don't lead to a logical end. So I'm, I, I can talk about how amazing the house is. But when I go in to start to look for some of the things and you run into family memories, I could tell you about a great camp up in New Hampshire for girls from 1950. Um, you know, I learned about the owner and, 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 and her sister who ran this camp. But, you know, the, I, can't, I can't like just pull that story together and just tell that as it's connected to the family, it just doesn't work. And so I can, I can go back to my themes of, you know, there's things in books I, can, I found that are interesting, or there's, you know, some old pictures that I've already posted um, on my Instagram and, uh, and from the, from the sale. And, uh, and, and so I give my audience a, or my social media audience, a, a taste of what's there. And also I'm helping to promote the sale and say, Hey, you know, North Salem, this, you know, this on the 18th, it's going to be great. Um, and that's how I can kind of work uh, this relationship with these estate sales services. But I really do end up walking away frustrated going, oh, I, you know what, I, there's a story there. And I, I can't, I can't pull this one out. It is, it's just like, it's like a, a, a rusty nail in a, in a really old board. You know, you just try and dig and dig and you can't pull it out and you have to sometimes walk away from it. And that's, that's, that is the challenge of, of doing what I do. It's like, there isn't always just the perfect story. You're always looking for the next really good, good story. And, 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 and because it's a form of expression, you know, artists are never satisfied with their work. So that's always going to be a problem for me. So how do you reframe those instances so they don't just kind of keep chomping in the back of your mind going yeah but what about this one you didn't finish it do you how do you like close that 
story, if you don't mind the connection. You know, I, I, I think, well, you know what, I, I think I, I can get philosophical here and say that, you know what, you know, we're all unfinished stories. Uh, you know, we can't, we can't just put closure on every single thing that we meet, uh, or that we see that passes in front of us. Some things you just have to, you know, and, and I, I think the way that I can kind of turn that around is, is to go back to that, that glass negative and, and say, you know, I don't, I don't know who that couple is. I still don't, but, you know, I can use that, uh, that unfinished story as a way to involve the audience as a way to, to reach out and continue networking and say, I don't know this, but do you, and instead of just saying, you know, and just, instead of just putting a, the end on this to, to let people know that there's closure. So I think that's, you know, that's kind of a positive for me. Uh, that's, you know, cause I, I think the neat thing is, is that there should be mysteries in life. There should be unfinished stories. You know, there should be the question of, will there be a sequel to this movie? Um, because we like to think, you know, we like to take our imaginations and, 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 project uh you know into into the, what we think the next chapter should be and that's and that i need to give my audience the opportunity to do so that they can continue to be kind of inspired by these things the way i was inspired even to just keep looking or keep searching yep and i know when you said that there was no more answers for that picture in particular at the moment who knows what might evolve as you continue to share and show it um it begs like going, oh, I wonder what happened. You can fill in and make your own story up about that. I could see someone who loves to write stories using them as an anchor, if you will, to create a whole other right. timeline or something. Um, mm -hmm. You know, when you and I talked initially on our short 15 minute, become hour and 15 minute conversation, you know, I was super, super excited. Um, you were talking about how you were going into retirement homes. This is pre-COVID and teaching and really, you know, how it honored people, but also uncovered and shared much of what you've shared today. Um, but then you were talking to me about how you adapted that from your in-person kind of presentations or interactions to virtual due to, the, specifically due to the pandemic. But in this global connectivity that we have, I could see it being applied elsewhere. And what got me thinking about that was you know, as an organization or as a leader of an organization or someone who supports an organization or just loves the people who work there, I could see, especially at this time of year, which while we're recording this, we're in the holiday season, um, that having you come and speak and teach would be both inspirational, engaging, might get people thinking differently, A, about problems they might be facing in their organization, but just about each other and how deep our roots go. Right. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit as we wrap this up about the kinds of things that you can speak about or teach, and then um, how you go about customizing presentations or interactions to a specific group or, um, situation sure yeah the well you know what it you know when i was doing these talks and and building you know my uh, reputation as a public speaker uh what i was really doing was you know taking my best you know what i thought were my best stories and and kind of running through them just as as a, a sort of a random order and then what i found was i started getting called back uh to come back again and i didn't want to repeat the same material so i started to develop more of these presentations and then i realized well you know what i can subcategorize them into uh different uh, different 
compartments, different sort of educational cells uh, so that I can do, you know, I now do a talk of what I call unsung women of history. And because I've run into so many stories of, of women who did not get the recognition they should have. And, and there are these just stories out there that have not been told and not been shared. They're not in history books. They're, they're certainly, I didn't learn them in school. And so that becomes, well, March is Women's History Month. So that becomes a talk for that, that period. And then I have, as you saw, military history. And you know, with the opportunity to honor veterans, uh, past and present, the uh, that you know, there's there's several different uh, cells of military stories that I can sell uh, to, I mean, present, not sell, um, present to, or sell to a to a community organization uh, to meet with their themes, and so it's the same thing. So, let's say an advertising agency was looking for a motivational speaker to talk about a different way to think, and they wanted to consider the past. Um, I have you know a, a whole talk on illustrators and cartoonists. Uh, and and many who you know fine artists who started out wanting to be fine artists and and chose to work in Madison Avenue, as uh, you know as, as as illustrators and or wanted to be cartoonists and and and, and Madison Avenue is where they ended up, and so I have a, a, a bulk of history of those illustrators that I can share and uh, and and it's just amazing what's out there uh, when uh, you know we've got a history of of illustration from this the golden era, um, and as estate sales come up so does their history and and it's it needs to be preserved and there there aren't i don't think there's enough museum space for all the really talented people that have come and gone and i think that's where i can kind of provide a sort of sense of, of motivation or interest or certainly a distraction to any audience uh, for just the amazing things that are out there and are just left by the side of the road or unfortunately sold off to the four corners of, of the earth and 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 separated from their origin story and that that is that kind of thing is is inspirational and it's positive and and i i'd like to think it gets people thinking a different way and so yeah there's there's a real there's a real opportunity there that uh, that I'd, I'd love to explore and again doing this virtually now means i can really do this anywhere i would give anything to be able to go back to doing live performances because i do so love that because there's nothing better than what i call the afterglow um, when you've given a talk and then people want to come up and you realize you've you've sparked this sense of reminiscence and nostalgia in them and they want to they, they want to share their stories and they want to talk about what they know about and i'm just i just am like a sponge and absorb it and and reflect it back and and it's it's just great fun you just really build some neat camaraderie at the end it, it gets people talking and that's what's that can be really good for any organization it really can and i also can imagine though um multi-generational groups or families listening to you as a gift to themselves you know over the holidays and there's some other kid about the age you were when you started like going, oh, what's this? You know, I'm picking it up. Who could go, whoa, so that's just not going down the street doing odd things. That really could lead somewhere fun. And I now I could think about it differently. So Greg, if folks want to reach out to you and at least explore with you how they can have other conversations or learn more, what's the best way for them to follow you, find you, and connect with you? Uh, my website, which is foundastory.com. So it's foundastory.com. And, uh, or, or my email, which is historyhunter411 at gmail. Uh, these are, you know, again, being the wordsmith, uh, you know, the, uh, I, I think, I think you can also find me, uh, you know, 
with a, a word connected with the archaeologist, but it's such a long word that I really prefer that people use foundastory.com. So easy. Uh, and uh, or History Hunter 411. Uh, that's, uh, you know, again, just just easy to reach out to me. I'm, I'm happy to answer any questions. And I'm usually monitoring my website. So when a visitor shows up, I can uh, set up a quick chat and it's very easy to do, or they can just freely breeze through and just take a look and see what's there. Um, and, and so that's, that's really, those are really the best ways. I'm, I'm on, you know, Instagram as urban archaeologist, urban underscore archaeologist. And, uh, and I'm, I'm by my first name, Greg Van Antwerp on Facebook. It's very easy to find me as well. So for, for a time there, when I was blogging heavily, just the blog itself, you could find, or you could look up urban archaeology. If you look up the urban archaeologist, I think you'll find me within the first, within the first page, at least of a Google search, but, but uh, foundastory.com is the best way, I think. Okay. And for listeners, no worries. That will all be in the show notes so that you can go down, read it, click it, and just go and find Greg. Um, so Greg, I want to thank you. Um, as we wrap this, I think there are some fun opportunities in the future to bring you back to my community. And when I say my community, it's the No Labels, No Limits community, as well as the Intentional Leaders community, which is a separate group of leaders throughout the nation and in fact the world who are trying um, to focus on leading in a way that changes outcomes for the people they serve. And I just think your lessons and information are so valuable. So I want to thank you for taking time to be with us on this podcast today. Thank you so much for having me, Sarah. This was wonderful. I really appreciate it. Well, and for our listeners, I want to thank you also. Um, without you, there's no podcast, actually. So I do have a favor to ask of you listeners. Um, and that is if you found value in this episode, um, and especially if you can think of an organization or a group who just, you know, they would absolutely enjoy meeting Greg via this episode or um, having him come talk, please share this with them. Um, because the more people who learn about this, the more who can open up new options for themselves. Just click the share button on whatever platform you use and then help us spread the word. The second is along with spreading the word. Um, if you want to help us continue to share messages of learning and hope and possibilities by taking inspired action, um, we're gonna invite you to become a No Labels, No Limits patron. And there are different levels and benefits you get from that. So the details of that will be coming up shortly, but to get um, involved and learn more, just visit us on the No Labels, No Limits podcast um, webpage and click on the link um, that's there. You'll see it'll, it'll either say spread inspired action or buy us a coffee, same link. And um, we'll let you in on um, what being a patron is in the short term and really the benefits for you in the long term. And more than anything, the benefit is spreading the word to others. So we appreciate you walking alongside us on this journey and super appreciate everybody who's pushing past difficult times or doubts to live without labels and limits because we all benefit. So until next week, believe in yourself and take action no matter how small, it will take you down a different road. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. 
You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.